Please find your seats and turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. This morning we will be looking at verses 17 through 21 of God's holy and errant word. And as we begin, would you please join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Father God, what a privilege is ours to gather around your word, a word that is living and active, a God, a word that brings life to us through your son Jesus and his work on our behalf. God, it's a word that we desperately need to hear. And God, I I pray that you would send now the spirit of your son into this room and and that God, that you would uh, help us to set aside all that which may distract us from hearing you. Father, our lives are full and our lives are busy and even right now our minds are racing. But God, you have something for us today that we can't miss because it talks about you and your glory and, and we as your children being a part of your story. So God, desperately... I ask that you would come and speak through this broken sinner who needs to hear the message in which he preaches, needs to be cleansed afresh in the blood of Christ. Oh God, how humbled I am and and, uh, in what awe I stand in your presence of who you are, God, but do your work. These folks, we don't need to hear from me. So God, open up our ears to hear truth and open up our minds to understand it. And God, open up our hearts to embrace it and empower our feet to walk in light of it. Father, we ask that you and you alone would receive glory and we would receive great joy. We pray this in the powerful name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. As we begin in in 1 Peter 17... It begins with the word and, and really it connects us to what we, where we were last week. And if you remember, Peter has been painting for us an incredible, glorious picture of who we are in Christ. And he calls us that we are chosen strangers and aliens. He tells us that we've been sprinkled clean with the blood of Christ. Peter tells us that he, we have new birth in Christ, that God himself has caused us to come alive in Christ. Peter tells us that we have an inheritance that can't fade away and a future that is secure. And oh, what a glorious picture he paints, a painting uh, that he paints that the prophets had foretold that would come, that Jesus would come and rescue us. It's so glorious that even angels themselves want to peer into this wonderful love, this wonderful Savior and King that would come and rescue us. First the who, he tells us who we are, and then we took a turn last week and we talked about uh, how we should now act. Once we know who we are, God calls us to obedience. God calls us to holiness, and and he pictures who we are in Christ. He says, listen, we're obedient children, and because we are obedient children and God is holy, God calls us too to holiness. So it's a challenge for us today to continue to live in a manner pleasing to our God and Father. Let's read God's word together. 1 Peter 1, verse 17. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. 
knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, which was inherited and passed on from your forefathers. But you were redeemed with the precious blood as the blood of an unblemished and spotless Lamb of God, the blood of Christ. For He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. My family and I were recently able to go over to uh, the Kennedy Space Center. It's amazing. It's one of those places that we have never been to. One of those things in Central Florida, we have so many opportunities to do so many things. And right here next door, we have Kennedy Space Center. We finally gathered the troops and the whole family said, let's go over to Kennedy Space Center. How many of y'all have been over to the uh, Space Coast? It was awesome. Our kids on the way home said this. You ready? We had fun and we learned some things. I mean, what an incredible combination and what a, a great trip. But we were able to go and just see uh, humankind's pursuit of the final frontier of space. As we went, our trip told us of heroes like Virgil Gus Grissom, Edward White, Roger Chaffee. These three men would give their lives to the conquest of space while never leaving Earth. They were burned up inside Apollo 1 during a dress rehearsal. Back then they had oxygen, uh, pure oxygen pumped into where they were staying and a spark and a fire. And these men perished before they ever left the ground. These heroes who were so bent on and, and pursuing space. And I was really intrigued as we went through the Saturn V rocket portion of the tour. And there they have this huge Saturn V rocket that would jettison men up to space and eventually to the moon. And they laid out there in that display each one of the Apollo uh, missions. And here's what it said, a quote from Gus Grissom with the Apollo 1. It said this, If we die, we want people to accept it. We're in a risky business, and we hope that if anything happens to us, it will not delay the program. The conquest of space is worth the risk of life. Interesting words that rang in my ears from beyond the grave. As Gus Grissom says, it is worth it. The conquest of space is worth the risk of life, one in which he was willing to pay. The program did go on. As a matter of fact, it was for the Apollo series program that their deaths became like a rallying cry. They said, we can't let these men die in vain. Therefore, the program must go on. Therefore, we must have success. If the program stops, if we don't have success in this, they've only died in vain. As a matter of fact, when Apollo 7 successfully launched from pad up into orbit, it was said that these men did not give their life in vain. And we see as Apollo 7 eventually led to Apollo 8 and they orbited the moon and eventually Apollo 11 and man was able to step foot onto the moon all the way through Apollo 17. What started off so tragically that these men said, listen, we're willing to risk our very lives for this pursuit. Don't stop. That pursuit continues even today. Jesus 
our hero, he lost his life too. Interestingly, he lost his life entering into space and time, pursuing not the quest of space, but pursuing the conquest of souls, a mission he was willing to risk his life for. Gus Grissom and the Apollo 1 astronaut said, listen, hey, listen, we are, we are willing to make the sacrifice. This is a risky business. We are willing to make the sacrifice if need be. But Jesus is different. They said they might be willingly, willingly make the sacrifice. And the beauty of our Savior is this, that Jesus knowingly, knowingly made the sacrifice. When he entered space and time, he came with a mission. And he knew that that mission would run through a Roman cross. He knew that he would have to give his life as a ransom to rescue us. Those astronauts were willing. Jesus knowingly came. An accident took away those astronauts' lives. But a predetermined plan from God would take Jesus to a cross in his life. The continuation of the Apollo series is the declaration that, hey, they didn't die in vain. The program does go on. The adventure does continue. And it's interesting, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus says this, the giving of his life is so that uh, his life wouldn't be in vain. But listen, that our futile lives, life without Christ, the futility of life, trying to find meaning, joy apart from Christ would come to an end. Jesus' life wasn't given in vain. It was given so that the vanity of our useless lives apart from them could die. And we can have joy. And we can have meaning. And we can really know what life is when life is found in Him. In Jesus Christ, He is this story. He is the point of the entire story. And the story goes on. And listen, Orangewood, we're a part of that story too. We're going to hear in God's holy word that unbelievably, this eternal plan of salvation intersects our very lives and brings us life. And now we are, Orangewood, the storytellers. The story continues, and God chooses to use us to tell this generation his story. The Apollo program began with a very young president, John F. Kennedy, made a declaration. I mean, an incredible, bold declaration. And it was this, that we would have, I wish I could say it in, in a, in a uh, uh, New England accent, I can't, but that we would have a man on the moon by the end of the decade. What an incredibly uh, inc- challenge. The man was able to, get to, to be in a rocket, lift up into orbit, eventually orbit moon, the moon, and land on the moon and walk on the moon. What an challenge. And the whole program started When he made that challenge, we see our story begins before time began. First thing I'd like for us to really examine and wrestle with is the beauty of God's story. Listen, God has one story he's telling, and we're a part of it. And this story that God tells is a story that began before God created anything, before time began. Look again at 1 Peter 20. For he, Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Before God created man, God knew that man would rebel. Before he even created one in his own image to have a relationship with him, God knew that the one he creates is going to turn from the creator. He is going to rebel. And God knew 
That the only way to redeem that lost soul, the only way to recapture His image, the only way to set us free would be the sending of His own Son, Jesus. This is before time began. And incredibly, the love the Father would have for sinners like us. And incredibly, the love the triune God would have for one another. That the plan of saving souls, the plan that included the Father demonstrating love for lost sinners like us, sending His Son, the Son agreed to. But the beauty of the plan is it began before time. Sometimes we look at God's plan unfolding. We say, you know, maybe God had a lot of different things in mind. Maybe there was an Old Testament with all these sacrifices of animals and, and all this law. And maybe that was part A of God's plan. And now we've arrived at part B and it's about grace and it's about the cross. But no, it's all one story that is unfolding. It is all one plan. God's plan has been the same throughout time. And we see God's plan unfold very early. As soon as God creates and as soon as man rebels, even way back in Genesis 3.15, God starts the plan unfolding. He's promising. Listen, I'm going to promise a Messiah. I'm going to promise a deliverer. There's one who will come who will set you free. Now, Orangewood, if we see this as one plan that's unfolding through time, the entire story takes an incredible dimension. We sit in awe and say, wow, this is incredible stuff. When we realize it's one story that's unfolding before time, we look into Moses. And we start understanding Moses' sacrificial system that God has given to him. I mean, Moses knew that, that for forgiveness of sin to happen, God who's holy, God who is separate, can't just wink at sin. He can't say it doesn't really matter. That there had to be a payment for sin. Death was a result of sin. And so Moses gives this plan. He says, listen, here's the deal. God, our God is holy. He's called us to himself and we are to be holy and we're not. And we're we're sinful. We keep on acting like everybody else does. And so God wants us to to make a sacrifice. There's going to be a sacrifice. We have to shed blood. There's got to be blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And so therefore they started in the temple a bloodbath. And isn't the Old Testament gory? Have you ever read it? I mean, isn't it bloody? Why? Because they kept on getting dirty. And God's people were sinful. And they said, well, God's prescription is let's, let's slaughter more goats and more bulls and more sheep. And hopefully that will pay for our sins. And really, now we can look back and say that was only a picture of what was to come. And it gets to the writer of Hebrews who so beautifully says, listen, the blood of goats and bulls and lambs, it can't take away sin. Only Jesus' blood can take away sin. Only the God's spotless lamb. And so what was that deal in the Old Testament? What was that story? Well, what it was, it was all pointing to Jesus. All that blood, all that sacrifice was pointing to the fact that God was going to provide one that would really work his own son. Isn't it incredible? So doesn't the story kind of make sense? Now you realize that all that sacrifice that God had given to his people all was basically saying there's one who's coming that will work. You know, it's, it's Peter, when he tells us this story, uh, he's clearly picturing the Exodus. He per- clearly has this mindset for us. And it's beautiful in, in uh, Exodus chapter 12. 
as Moses is telling uh, God's people that they are going to be released from slavery, the slavery of the Egyptians, that they are going to be set free and they're heading toward the promised land. God says this, listen, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to take a lamb. You're going to have to take not just any lamb. This lamb has to be spotless. This has got to be God's best. It's got to be your best. And so therefore, the lamb's got to be without any blemish, without any uh, uh, spots on it. And here's how I'm going to distinguish you from everyone else when the angel of death comes. I want you to slice his throat. And I want the blood to come. And I want you to take that blood. And I want you to put it over the doorstep. I want you to be covered, basically, in the blood of the lamb. And when the angel of death comes, he's going to see it. He's going to know you're covered in the blood of the lamb. You have been separated. And you, the, the angel of death, will pass over. And you'll have life. And what happened? The angel of death came and there was a distinction. And God's people were spared and they were led out of Egypt. And where they head? To the promised land. All that was is a picture of what was to come. It was a picture of God's own son, the Lamb of God. As John would say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of man. By God's grace, John the Baptist knew that this was the sacrificial lamb. And Peter has this image of the Passover. And because he has the image of the Passover, he's seeing Jesus as the Passover lamb. I mean, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Let's let's turn to 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Paul uses the same imagery. He picks up on this as well. And he says in 7, For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Peter sees the beautiful picture of God's unfolding and the uniqueness in time in which God's people were living then and we still live now. That God has provided his Passover lamb. It is God's own son. And unbelievable realities, the sacrifice of this one can really make us whole. And because God's lamb, Jesus, was sacrificed, we can be cleansed. You see, Jesus is the point of the whole story. Isn't it beautiful? I mean, the whole story, it was what the prophets, a few weeks ago we looked at this, the prophets who had the spirit of Christ in them told the story as well. They told the uniqueness about this one story, that God will provide a Messiah. God will provide a Messiah and he will come and he will rescue us from our sins. Jesus is the Passover lamb. And the story has now intersected us. And here's where we stand in uniqueness of time, Orangewood. We stand in this uniqueness of time that the story has redeemed us. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have a relationship with God that is unique. It's an incredible relationship. It's one of great intimacy that we can call to Him, Abba, Father, because the Lamb was slain for our sins. It's a whole story revolves around Jesus. Let's let's turn to Galatians 4. Galatians 4, verse 4 through 7 And again, we're going to hear Paul's voice tell the uniqueness of this story. That this whole story is one. It all unfolded and God's plan was revealed. And here's how Paul says it in Galatians 4.4. But when the fullness of time came, and similarly, as we look to God's word in in 1.20, it talks about these last times. This fullness of time. Paul says, God's plan unfolded. And when time was basically pregnant. 
when it was a perfect time, God sent forth his son, who we know is this Passover lamb, who we know that all of the old pointed to him. Everything in history was rushing toward Jesus. All of history was rushing toward the cross. And in this fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. This is, goes back to Genesis 3.15. Born of a woman, not of man's seed, so that he can be holy, so that he can be separate, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Born of a woman, born under the law, one who would fulfill the law perfectly, unbelievably, the lawgiver, placing himself under the law, so that we might be redeemed. There's that word again. We might be bought back. We might be redeemed, those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Listen, this is even more beautiful than we can imagine. Because we're redeemed. We've, our sin has been paid for. We are cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. But there's even more. He now says, you are my adopted sons. You are a part of my family. That's why in verse 17, we can call him Father, unbelievable grace has been given to us that not only we cleaned up, we're brought into the family. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. This incredible plan that is unfolded includes all three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, into our hearts so that we can cry, Abba, Father the holy God of the universe, the one who is high and holy, the one who is separate from all of his creation, the mighty God we can call daddy. Wow. What an incredible Passover lamb that has taken away our sins and brought us into the family. Therefore, we're no longer slaves. Let's don't act like them, like slaves. Therefore, we're no longer slaves, but we are sons. And if a son, then an heir through God. Wow. What an incredible picture. What a relationship we have with God as sons. We can call him father. And because of this Passover lamb, we have been freed from fearing God without intimacy. Fearing God without intimacy. In verse 17, again, it says this, if you address his father, there's great intimacy, but God is one who will impartially judge. He will judge each one according to his work. Now listen, Paul says in Romans 14 that each one of us is going to give an account for all of our deeds. That each one of us is going to stand in judgment. But Christian, we have some really, really good news we can't forget. As Paul tells us in Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for any of us who are in Christ Jesus. The blood of Christ was sufficient to wash us clean once and for all. We are robed in his righteousness. We are forgiven and there's no more condemnation. But we still will be tested. Our fruit will be tested through time. Are we really His by the way we live our lives? We've been saved by grace through faith in the work of Christ. But we've been saved to good works. And what we do for Him will stand and what we don't will fade away. Listen, we have a relationship with God that is unique. We, we and we alone as His children can call Him Abba Father. We can call Him the most intimate terms. But He still is God. He still is God. It's it's Malachi 1. Malachi 1, verse 6. It says this, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? 
And if I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you. Here's the picture that that Peter has given us. Listen, you can call him daddy. It's an incredible privilege that just comes to you through Christ, the Passover lamb, and you alone. But don't forget, he's the holy one. Don't forget, he is the righteous judge. And you should live your lives in light of this one that we are adopted in, but he is God, and we got to show him respect. And our lives should reflect that intimacy and that respect for our Father. OPC, we have a unique relationship with God that the world does not have only because of His grace. We must live our lives in a different manner. We must tell our story because we can call Him Daddy, but we still need to show Him respect for who He is and walk in a manner worthy of of the Gospel. But we're also free from a life without meaning. In verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, there was futility without Christ. There always will be. Listen to that again. Life is futile without Jesus Christ. It's futile. And God's people knew it. God's people couldn't keep themselves clean. They had a system of sacrifice that they try to keep themselves clean. And they have all these rules and regulations to try to keep themselves clean. Because if they sat in the wrong spot, guess what? They were unclean. And if they came in contact with a dead person, guess what? They were unclean. And there were all these rules and regulations of how they might become unclean. And they couldn't keep themselves clean. So they kept on butchering animals saying, please cleanse me. Cleanse me because I am unclean. And it never worked. And there was futility. They couldn't make themselves clean. They they, they were dirty and they knew it. Hey, parents, wouldn't it be great if we can give our kids a bath once and they're clean? Even for ourselves, wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, just one bath. I mean, just one maybe special bath, some special water somewhere. You you go and you dip into that water. you're, You're cleansed and you come out and you're declared forever clean. Man, wouldn't it be great? Probably more for us guys. No matter what happens, we can just pursue life and just say, I'm clean. The beauty of the story unfolding and Jesus coming as the Passover lamb. And through this one sacrifice, he declares forever those who he sacrificed for clean. The futility of life, the futility of trying to make yourself clean only is found in Christ We have been forever cleansed, forever cleansed with the blood of Christ. The futility of life to make yourself whole. We're broken. Scripture says because of sin we are. We're broken cisterns. Yes, we've been created in God's image. Yes, we have that incredible honor and privilege. But sin has come and it's wreaked havoc on us. And it's almost completely destroyed that image. And now because we are broken, we look, and and we looked at last week, our hearts lust after the world. And why do we lust after the world? Because we're broken. And we're trying to say, fill me, fill me, fill me. Will something make me feel whole because I am broken? And Jesus says the only thing that can make you whole is me. And the unbelievably plan of God's economy that he would take the one who is innocent, the one who is whole, and break him so that we can be made whole. The one who was undefiled becomes defiled so that we can be undefiled. We're freed from life without meaning. 
We're freed from life that is broken. And we're freed from a life that doesn't make sense. We have the truth. The truth has intersected our lives. We've been set free. OPC, we have a unique story to tell. The world out there is lost, is broken, is defiled, just like us, apart from His grace. And listen, their lives are futile. It's without Jesus. And Jesus says, life without me is not life. No matter what you accumulate, no matter what titles you have, no matter the stuff, it's not life. Life is found only in a relationship with God through His Son. That is life and life abundantly. The story intersects us. We have this life. And now He says, go tell the story. And what's the worst thing we could do? The worst thing we could do is not tell the story. Or tell the story that really it makes no difference. There's no difference. Yes, God is holy. He calls us to holy. Yes, we are called to be obedient children. But we're going to live our lives like them. Now listen, that them just rings in my ear. By the God's grace, that's not me. But we have a story to tell. A story that we can call God, Abba, Daddy. A story that we have been made whole only because of Jesus. We have been freed from a life without meaning. Isn't it hard to remember this though? I mean, there's sometimes I still, life is just so hard. I mean, there's times that, I mean... If you could see the, 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 uh, the barometer of my life, it swings from man am I gung-ho to man am I completely depressed. <laughs> when you're usually as high, strong, and, and, and up as I am, the lows are pretty low. But it's the continual reminder that this incredible story has intersected my life, that I am truly a part of the story, that I don't have to live my life without meaning. You know what that phrase in the Greek means? Vain conversation. And interesting, it's a vain conversation out there. We have a conversation with the God who is and the God who lives. We've been freed by the precious blood of Christ in 19. The only thing that would purchase us back to the Father, it's not silver or gold. It's not of anything of earthly value. The only thing that has precious enough in God's sight is God's own blood. God has told us, listen, there's no forgiveness of sins without the remission of blood. Back in Leviticus 17, The writer of Hebrews will say, but the blood of goats and bulls and sheep, it didn't do anything. It didn't work. The only blood that would cleanse, the only blood that would bring life is the blood of God, as the writer of Acts 20 would say. The blood of God is Jesus Christ's own blood. Precious. The word means of great value and honor. The precious, life-giving blood of Christ. And Peter uses this to compel us. He's basically saying, Don't forget the price. The price to buy you out of nothingness, the price to buy you out of slavery was Jesus' own blood. Early on in the Reformation in Scotland, there was a martyr by the name of Patrick Henry. I'm sorry, Patrick Henry was an American. Patrick Hamilton. Patrick Hamilton uh, was one of the first martyrs in Scotland. And they did a really bad, they botched his martyrdom. I mean, uh, they they put him uh, on the stake to burn him. And they lit the stakes, and they, you know what? They didn't take fire, and they had to try it over and over and over again. And his death, which you always hope when I die, God, just take me quick, you know, take me out. But his death was this grueling, prolonged, agonizing martyrdom that really kind of just went into all of God's people's minds and brains and memories. And there became a rallying cry, remember Patrick Hamilton. 
Christian, we have a rallying cry that's greater than Patrick Hamilton's. Remember the blood of Jesus. The, the, the sacred blood of God shed for us so that we could be made whole. You know, Mark chapter 10 says it this way about Jesus and this whole story unfolding. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and listen, and to give His life a ransom. This blood that would make the payment, the ante for us, so that we can be cleansed, freed by the precious blood of Christ. You know, it was that Passover blood that allowed the the, uh, Israelites to leave Israel and to pursue the promised land. Christian, Christian, it's only the precious blood of the Lamb of God that allows you to leave the sin of slavery and, and become whole and pursue the true promised land and see Him face to face. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Orangewood, remember Jesus Christ in His shed blood. It's a call to holiness. It's a call to obedience. It's a call to life. And it's a call to tell the story. We're free to have our faith and hope in God through Christ. Verse 20 and 21. And what 20 and 21 basically say, it's so amazing. God's got one story. It's unfolding. And you don't get the story apart from Christ. Here's what it means. Unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who did say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, there's no way to get to the story except through me. There's no way to get to the Father except through me. There's no way to find life except through me. In me is life and life abundantly. And so when the world says, listen, Jesus is good for you, but I'm going to go my own route. I'm going to find my own way. But Jesus says very clearly, there is only one way for us to even have belief in God. And it's through his son. Verses 20 and 21. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. It's an individual salvation. Who through him are believers in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God through Him. Through Christ alone do we get the story. You know, I was looking around at a website about Apollo and trying to, the Apollo series, and try to get more information. I came across a pretty intriguing website. It was the Apollo hoax. And it basically said this, the entire Apollo program was a hoax. It was a whole uh, charade. It never really happened. I mean, we never went to the moon. And we never, you know, we never did take place. And it's pretty interesting. They have videos and pictures on this site where you can go and say, well, you see here, the shadow shouldn't be over here this way. Therefore, it's a hoax. Or they had this in the wrong alignment. Therefore, it's a hoax or whatever. And basically, he wants to say the entire program was a hoax. I don't think there's probably many in us, of us here in this story, in this room, would feel that that's entirely a hoax. But you know, we live in a world that will tell us that our Christian story is a hoax. This whole belief of God, this whole belief in God that He would send His Son is all a hoax. But it's interesting. We could go and we can dig up the remains of Gus Grissom and those two other astronauts of Apollo 1 and say, you know what? It's not a hoax. Here are the remains. Okay, we can argue if we went to the moon or not, but The Apollo series was real. Look at the remains. Christianity is not a hoax. 
Because God raised His Son from the dead. And there's no remains. You see, God accepted the Son's sacrifice. How do we know it? The tomb was empty. He accepted the sacrifice. It was sufficient for us. And believe me, Rome would love to have produced a body to declare to all the Christians, hey, let me show you right here. Here's your Messiah. He's dead as a doornail. Here he is. He doesn't live. But the truth is, there are no remains. The story is true. And the story goes on today. We're part of the story. You know how close we come to the Apollo story? You can touch a rock. At the very end uh, of the Saturn V tour, when you're in this huge rocket, not in the rocket, but you see this building has this huge rocket, there's a place where you can go and you can touch a rock from the moon. Four million dollars, went and got a couple of rocks and we can touch them. Not really very close to the story, is it? You know the amazing thing about this story? The story of redemption, it's more than just touching the rock. The rock is Jesus Christ. The rock has come and he's given us life and life abundantly. And now we do more than touch the rock. We build our life upon the rock of Christ. The rock that gives us meaning. The rock that gives us security. The rock that gives us life. We are a part of this story. Praise God. Has it transformed your life? And now go tell it. That's why we tell it, Orangewood. We tell the story through word and deed. That's why we're building houses. That's why we're trying to get into community groups and to love one another and tell our story. Because the story continues. The story continues. The, the quest for space continues. But listen, we got a story of, that God has written that we are a part of that continues. That includes us. We're not just off in the distance, but sons and daughters. Let's live as obedient children telling the story to the world that lives in futility. That our God is Father. Our God is Savior. Our God is King. And we have a story to tell and He chooses to speak through us. Let us pray. And Father God, we thank You for the incredible story. The story that we don't have to stand apart from and examine, but the story that has intersected our lives that it gives our lives meaning and purpose. Thank you for rescuing us from futility. Thank you for cleansing us by the precious blood of the Lamb, the spotless Passover Lamb, who shed His blood so that we can be cleansed and made whole. Father, I pray for us. I pray that, God, we don't live our lives in futility. God, I pray that you would send your spirit and revive us and remind us of this story because you have called us to be storytellers. The story continues. And may we live like obedient children, proclaiming the good news of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.